Strong bodies, kind hearts, unstoppable minds. You're listening to Strong Girls Pod, where strong women share their stories to inspire strong girls. Welcome to episode one of Strong Girls Pod, brought to you by WIS. Today, we will be introducing you to the podcast, the people behind it and in it, and the nonprofit organization that inspires it all, Strong Girls United. I'm your host, Charlie Ekstrom, and today I will be chatting with former Division I basketball player and the founder of Strong Girls United herself, Lonnie Silversides. Get ready for an introductory episode like no other, filled with inspirational stories from Lonnie, really talking about just the birth of Strong Girls United, how the organization came to be, and what's inspired this podcast. We get to talk about the purposes behind it and share the overall journey and excitement that is Strong Girls Pod. But before we jump in, we're going to hear from our amazing sponsor, WIS. Alrighty, folks, I am here with Stephanie Hughes from WIS, one of our amazing sponsors who I'm so excited to be working with. So Stephanie, thanks so much for joining us. And for our listeners who don't know WIS, um, would you be able to give us a little background of who you guys are, what you do, and all of it? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having us, Charlie. Thanks for having me. Like you said, we have very similar missions. Um, WIS is actually a full service accounting firm. We help people and companies navigate uh, everything from the this, this inception of a business. We help them grow their business. We help them sell their business. We help the families with their personal wealth. So it's full service. Uh, it's one of the fastest growing accounting firms in the U.S., um, I have to give a shout out to the to people who want to become accountants. It's a, it's a great thing to do, and we're you know it's a it's a great industry to be in. We really are encouraging of it. I think the bias out there right now is negative around accountants, but the the old model is is has changed significantly. And accountants do everything from uh, partner with people who are business owners, partner with uh, people looking to buy businesses. It's, they're really at the heart of every decision that a business owner has to make and that a family has to make. So it's a great, it's a great career to have. Um, financial advisory is also a great career. We're talking specifically about women. Only 16% of financial advisors currently are women. And it's a great career for a woman, for a woman to have. So I would encourage you girls listening to to really explore it and and to 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 really tap into the curiosity that you may have about these fields. I think that there's so much of like you had just said, Stephanie, that really aligns um, with both of our mission statements. And so, if you've got a curiosity, explore it, no matter what the field. I love that. Now going in, for everybody listening, we're doing a new style of ads here with Strong Girls Pod, and we're really prioritizing, instead of just reading off of a paragraph and telling you what's really cool about certain brands, is we really want these brands that we're so proud to be partnered with and representing to represent themselves. And something that we've decided to do with WIS here and with Stephanie is doing a tip series for listeners from ranges middle school, high school, college, everybody this can apply to. So starting young is not a bad idea to get started in financial literacy and understanding and all of it. And so we're going to be doing a nice little tip series, starting with tip number one, hitting it over to you, Stephanie. (laughs) Tip number one, save more money than you spend, right? So make sure that you have three buckets, three primary buckets. One is money that you want to spend And the second one is money that you want to save. And the third one is money that you want to give away. Maybe at Christmas time, you want to buy somebody a gift, or maybe, uh, you know, you want to donate it to a certain charity, but that's money for really what, what your heart wants that money to be used for. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Strong Girls Pod. This is a project that I'm so excited to share with you. I'm your host, Charlie Ekstrom. I'll be with you guys for the foreseeable future. I am so excited to share, go on this journey with you guys and have some really inspiring conversations with some pretty incredible women throughout the next couple of seasons with you. Um, But today is for our welcome episode, and I am here with 
founder of Strong Girls United, the nonprofit that I am so proud to work for and so proud to be a piece of with this podcast. I'm here with Lonnie Silversides. Lonnie, thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this project uh, and the podcast and thanks for having me on for the first one here. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Having this welcome episode for every listener listening, this has been kind of this little project that Lonnie and I have been talking about for years now. Um, And I am so excited that we get the chance to actually produce it, that we actually get to make it, that we actually get to share it with everybody because there's there's some incredible stories that we're going to share over the next couple of seasons. And um, starting it out with giving the core of why we're doing it, I think, is the best way to start. Absolutely. Yeah. Excited to introduce Strong Girls United to the whole community. Oh, Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's talk about Strong Girls United. I think, I mean, I've given it a preface. We are a nonprofit, but I think that beyond there, you're probably going to give us the best version because it is your baby of what is Strong Girls United? How has it come to be? Um, we could probably talk about this for days, but let's let's go into it. Yeah, that sounds great. So the official mission statement right now is empowering girls through sports, mentorship, and mental health programming. But it's really evolved and we're still young. So it is officially was an official nonprofit as of August of 2019. But let me just give you a little backstory of where it started. So I uh, was a former Division I basketball player. As soon as I graduated from college, I started teaching and coaching at uh, independent boarding school in Massachusetts. And when uh, I was working there, you're in the dorms, you're, you're a teacher, you're a sort of in local parentis, that's a, like a parent to some of these kids, the teenagers that are living in the dorms. And then I was coaching three seasons as well and started as out of college as a varsity head coach for the basketball team. Um, soon after, having children. Um, I have two girls. And when my now eighth grader was entering kindergarten, I just started to realize that there were still things happening that I felt like happened when I was young, when I was a young girl. And so the, the quickest example I give is when you go to daycare, when I was going to daycare, you'd see the boys and girls playing around outside on the play structures. And then all of a sudden, starting kindergarten, if I were to drive by at recess, there would be the boys on the basketball court, the boys on the fields. And I'm like, where are the girls? Why are the girls not participating in this? And started to ask some questions and started to hear stories of young elementary school girls saying, oh, yeah, the boys said that we aren't allowed to play football. Oh, yeah, I was told that I couldn't do this. And I was a little bit like, how is this still happening? This was like 2015. And so um, so I started these after school programs uh, at the local elementary school called, and I called them Strong Girls. And it was really an effort to expose girls to multiple sports each week because on the flip side, working with high school elite um, varsity athletes, I also was seeing that there was a lot more sports specialization that they had had, a lot more burnout. And really sport was just such a huge part of my growing up and playing all the sports and getting exposed to lots of different things. And so I started this Strong Girls program as an after-school program with a different sport each week. What I simultaneously was going through is taking sports psychology classes um, at Boston University, some graduate level classes. I had had a master's in uh, teaching, but really wanted to dig into the sports psych to become a better coach. And within the first 20 minutes of my class, my mind was blown. Like, how did I not have this resource when I was a college athlete? We didn't have mental skills coaches or mental performance coaches or sports psychologists. We didn't have that. And I feel like my experience could have been changed just a little different. You know, I had a really good career, but I wonder like, maybe I wouldn't have been burned out. Maybe I would have kept playing at the next level. What would that, you know, just the struggles of college athletics, what would it have been if I had some of these tools? So I started creating programs for the high school seniors that I was working with, boys and girls, different sports, 
created some sports psych programs to fill their toolbox before they go on to college to try to give some of these tools that I felt like we really should be teaching um, to these high school athletes. While I'm doing that with the high school athletes, I have these strong girls programs going with just sort of, you know, different sports each week. And then it was like, just like a light bulb went off of like, what, why wait until they're 18 years old before we give the program, but give them access to these tools. Why wait? I was in my, you know, late twenties and early thirties when I first learned some of these tools to help our performance and help our well-being. So I combined the two and said, I wonder what will happen if we get some of these tools to these young girls starting at five, you know, the same lessons that I was doing with the high school athletes, I started to adapt for elementary school girls and my thought process as well as can we combat the dropout rate of girls in sports? You know, at the time it was six times greater than boys by the time they were 13 years old. Now it's twice as much. So there's still a gap there. But beyond just exposure to multiple sports, I thought, you know, can we give them exposure to multiple sports and give them also that confidence, the resilience, the gratitude, the growth mindset, all of these mental skills, the, you know, talking about body language and self-talk and what can we build that alongside building those, you know, um, the sport bodies and, you know, this is where we're going to get to the, the strong bodies and the kind hearts, unstoppable minds. We'll get to talking about that, but can we support them in their athletic journey, being part of a team and all that that can bring while intentionally also introducing these mental skills that everyone at all ages could benefit from. So that's where Strong Girls United really came from. It was these strong girls after school classes. Um, and then I started getting interest from college athletes that I had coached in high school saying, I love this. How can we help? How can I help? So that's where we started the model of the university you know, programs and getting university athletes involved. Um, and official nonprofit status came in 2019. Lots of big things happened between then, but I'll stop there for now in terms of just, you know, like that's like the really, like you said, the baby, like that's where it really started was trying to combat dropout rate, trying to support girls and knowing that they belong in sports and right down to at recess, right? You know, if there's two hoops and you and your friends want to hoop, you know, being able to like say, yeah, I can play basketball too. Um, and then, you know, working on the mental skills as part of it, um, you know, just trying to get those tools to kids as young as possible and see if it can make a difference for them. I, I love it. And I love hearing the story every single time that we talk about it. And that's a huge reason of why, I've come on and worked for this organization because, I mean, I grew up in a pretty sports-oriented community, so I feel pretty lucky that I had a decent amount of opportunities, but I can't necessarily say that I went out to the soccer field or I went to the basketball courts and played sports growing up when I was at school. I definitely was one of the more athletic kids. I think that a huge piece of it now that we talk about through mentorship, through just kind of the growth of the organization is really looking to spread like the like confidence aspect that says like no I want to play too and I love it's I love sports I want to go out and do it as much as I can that added sense of confidence and that added desire to compete at like in any form of athletic competition I think has become so important and like so vital to kind of the standing of Strong Girls United and what yeah. we stand for yeah absolutely I love it and I know that you started kicking us off with the strong bodies, kind hearts, unstoppable minds. It's my favorite. It's my favorite saying of like these three pillars of Strong Girls United of our motto is strong bodies, kind hearts, unstoppable minds. And um, for me, it means a lot. Like I think for listeners coming in, my background is in the sport of beach volleyball. I'm born and raised in Southern California. I played beach volleyball for five years at Stanford University, went through a decent chunk of adversity growing up and definitely had my highs and lows at Stanford as well. But um, I have a lot of pride in the fact that I was able to battle through some adver more adverse moments and ended up leaving my career as the winningest player at Stanford University. Sure. Um, also the all-time losingest player. And I take that with pride too, of I was able to really set a foreground for a lot of a lot of the girls to come through our program and women to 
builds this program up. Um, but looking at the strong bodies, kind hearts, unstoppable minds mindset and the pillars of strong girls United sport became so much more to me. Um, it became so much more than just a competition. And it always was like, it was such a vital aspect of my life, but looking beyond the competitive aspect of sport and how I could keep my heart kind, how my mind was like flowing, how I was able to work on sport or able to bring sport into my life beyond the actual competition aspect is kind of what I've been able to connect with as an adult athlete now. Um, When I came into the org at 20 or 19 versus if I would have come in at five years old, that probably would have helped promote a little bit more athletic uh, or of the athlete side of it. But I think that there becomes a lot of value in these kind of pillared systems. And I would love, like, maybe we just can go in of like the reasoning, the rationale behind this motto um, and what kind of we hope that everybody takes from it. Yeah, that's awesome. I, you know, for some reason I like things in threes, like, you know, learn, live, lead is, you know, one of the other, um, you know, mantras or mottos that I use <laughs> in terms of how I think about educating and others. Um, but so I like things in threes and I really felt like there's three parts to this. You know, it's not just a youth sport program. Um, and I really wanted to create something different than just a youth sport program. And so the three pieces that I feel are most important that we build are kind of within that motto. And so strong bodies comes from, you know, giving those just fitness and, you know, being active and being part of, you know, a team and getting exposure to sport and seeing what interests you and what you like and trying new things, you know, that all kind of falls under that strong bodies. That's like the sport and physical activity component to it. And then the kind hearts come. So my background, once I started really exploring and digging deep into the sports psych, once my mind was open to it, I also went into positive psychology and took a sabbatical and went went to Australia, you know, started digging deep into positive education, which is where we take the principles of positive psychology and embed it into schools and did some training um, at a school that is a positive education school out in Australia and just really was learning from them. I really wanted something different. Um, and so this, and I love all of the, all of youth sport also, but you know, this strong bodies has the sport component. The kind hearts to me is the, is kind of the positive psychology component. It's the, it's the social connection. You know, we know so much research around the importance of people, humans being connected to others. That social connection is hardwired in our brains. And that is the, that's where the gratitude comes from. That's where thinking about, you know, some of the Um, just being part of a team and what it feels like to be part of a team and how to be good teammates. That's all part of that sort of pillar within our motto. And then the unstoppable minds, that's the, that is the mental skills. That's the sports psychology kind of stuff. That's the mindfulness. That's the confidence, the empowerment, the um, growth mindset, those skills that I think about like muscles that anybody can grow and build on, but you have to do it with intention and work on it. Just like I, if I'm working on my free throws, I can't expect to have a really solid free throw percentage if I never practice it. And the same is true for these mental skills that we go through with young girls or college athletes or adults, right? If it's gratitude, it's not like, a, oh, today we practiced gratitude once, so now I'm good for life, right? It's like, how do we build these habits? And to me, infusing some of these intentional skills into sport is a beautiful place to do that, to build that resilience. We've heard, I've heard a lot that sport builds character, sport does this, sport does that. So taking those skills and thinking about them like muscles we can grow and then infusing it into sport. To me, it's like sport becomes the playground to build all of these things that are going to help 
going to help people in life outside of sport as well, right? We're not just exercising it to become the, you know, to win or to become a champion. You're like working on this stuff to just help in life in general. And that's what I think sport can do. So those three pillars kind of infuse that sport, that social connection, um, and then that mental skills as well. I love it. I think, yeah, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know how to describe the level of importance that I find that to be. And, um, I think it's so cool. I love, I love the idea of like, this is all like you start out with it as the playground. And these are kind of like the ways that you build up on the playground. Um, because it becomes, it, it honestly, it simplifies such a deeper concept. And I think like you look at it from the scope of we're working with girls and young women ages, really like five to 18. And then beyond we have mentors and we have coaches and we have people that we work with that are ages 18 and beyond as well. And so we've got these two different sectors, but being able to have like skills and mindset activities and things that work for our members that are five years old and that also work for our 25 year olds, like mentors, I think is such a unique piece to look at it. Um, Like I remember talking and we'll probably, we'll definitely get into the mentorship program and the power of mentorship and all of it of what, we've been the really the main piece of strong girls the last several years. Um, but I think that's something that I've talked to with working from the mentor side and like the mentorship aspect of it is that speaking with other girls who have like helped run programs or helped work in programs is that we find the lessons and we find the work to be just as important for us as it is for the girls that we're teaching. And again, like that goes back to the whole idea that like, this never stops. Like you have to train these muscles. You have to train these mindset skills. Some, some of the people who are teaching these mindset skills didn't necessarily learn them at a young age, but they're learning to fine tune them or they're learning to hone them in. They're learning to use them as they're starting to teach them. And then it just becomes this greater movement in women's sports, women's everything, which is such a growing industry, such a growing world right now and makes it so much more important because these strong women that are teaching these classes or teaching these lessons are now having the mindset skills or having the practices, having them like activities ready for them to be able to carry it on into their extending careers. Um, Because a lot of women's sports are, and women's athletes are extending their, their careers as athletes Right. right now. Yeah. And, you know, I just, you just made me think too, my, my first career was teaching math and how I taught math was not for me to stand up and lecture and show everyone how to do it. It was, here's a little bit of information, a little tool I'm going to give you, and now you go do it. And I want you all teaching each other because when you teach it, then it really helps reinforce it. So that is exactly the model that I think you're right has made Strong Girls unique is that it is not just me coaching these classes anymore. That's how it started was me creating and coaching Strong Girls. But now we are introducing the power of female role models to these girls. So 77% of female leaders reported a lack of female role models as the reason why they dropped out of sport or limiting sport experience. And so we know that female role models matters in this space. Um, And you're right, this is an amazing time for women's sports and it's getting girls and boys alike excited, right? But when we are thinking about how what I think about is I want to impact the mentors and the people coaching just as much as the young kids, you know, because it mattered to me for me learning these skills, even in my late twenties, early thirties. And I can get into some of the the big why uh, that it impacted me in a little bit, but you know, these are skills that can go across ages, across all people. And so for us to be able to almost take that math teacher model that I had, which is <laughs> let me give you all the tools 
And then I want you to teach someone else about this because when you, Charlie, are teaching your mentee about gratitude or growth mindset or overcoming failure or dealing with disappointment or getting cut from a team, you are helping to reinforce the very skills that are helpful for you too. So that is where this model of utilizing and, and there's just the outreach has been incredible. We've had over 500 since 2019, over 500 college female athletes be involved in some way within our organization, which means they are coaching or mentoring or doing running an event or um, running a program in their community. So it is, let's get those tools to these college athletes. They are inspiring role models for these young girls, which might help them get involved and stay in sport. And the added benefit of having the athletes teach these skills that can help ground them in ways that are just, um, in some ways, I think invaluable when it can feel so intense and so significant at the level that college athletes are playing at and the, um, the sort of bar and the expectations on them. And then when you start teaching and seeing things through these young girls' eyes, it can just help reinforce the skills for yourself. So you're right. That's exactly that unique model. And that strong girls for life is really trying to say, Hey, these are things that we all need to work on. Like I said before the, you know, you're not going to exercise that gratitude muscle once when you learn about it, and then you're good for life for you to have consistent conversations with young girls through coaching or mentoring. It just helps reinforce that with everyone's life. Yeah. And, and beyond like just like that reinforcement this has not just become like this like you were saying it's not it's not a small movement anymore we've had over 500 student athletes come through these programs myself included that's how we originally became connected is i joined on starting pre us having a mentorship program at all with strong girls united i came on as a coach and empowerment officer helping run summer clinics during covid with you um, and we ran them virtually and almost the virtual movement allowed Strong Girls United to become a much more national movement than we were ever anticipating it becoming. Um, and I think it's so cool because again, we've not, we've not become, we're not this small little mentorship program anymore. It's, we've impacted over 500 female student athletes. We've impacted thousands of young girls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thousands now of young girls that have come through mentorship programs that have come through Strong Girls United programs, like spanning throughout the years now. And we're, we're spanning across across the nation. Like I'm sitting here in sunny Southern California. You're sitting in slightly less sunny Maine at the moment. <laughs> yep. And I think that like, there's such a, like, there's such a valuable piece to this of it's become like, this isn't just a movement that happens in one place. This is a movement that's happening at all times. That's going spanning, spanning everywhere at this point. Like we have, we have members spanning from the tips of Washington to the base of Florida from Maine to San Diego, where I'm from originally no longer live now. But I think that there's such an important element of like, this movement is important and spans so much more than just like a couple people and yeah. it's impacted so much more like so much like like we said we've got thousands of young girls we've got over 500 collegiate student athletes but those 500 collegiate student athletes have brought this to their teams like mm -hmm. i had a total i think of three teammates in who have been a part of strong girls united throughout the years on along with myself and my entire team, which was a 23-person roster, knew about Strong Girls United, had some sort of engagement with it, had done some sort of mental skills practice because of the fact that we brought it to there. So this kind of like usurps just the people who are participating, bringing these mindset skills, bringing these like active learning through teaching methods like yeah. becomes so much greater than just the people who are directly here it, because their outreach continues to expand. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty cool to see the growth. I mean, I'm, I've taken on the role of running the mentorship program now, and I was just a little 19 year old mentor when I, this program first started. And um, for our listeners, our mentorship program is called FAM, 
you're joining the family when you become a part of it. And it's female athlete mentorship where college and professional athletes are paired one-on-one with a mentee ranging K through middle school. Um, And sometimes those mentorships repeat over the years. Sometimes it's a one-year program. It really depends on the family, on the mentor, on just overall, like what that looks like on a day-to-day for them. But it's been a pretty, pretty impactful program for just about everybody who's gone through it. And I'm sitting here, I'm in, I'm in year four with my mentee. Um, I think we might be the longest lasting mentorship pair at this point. And I've learned so much and grown so much with my mentee, Julia, and we've actually never even met in person. Like we would have never been established prior to having this kind of virtual one-on-one mentorship. And, um, I've gotten to see her grow up and I've gotten to actually grow up a little bit myself through, again, through that go back to the math class mentality of through active teaching. There are aspects of myself that I think that I've learned to heal and grow while I help Julia to overcome some adversity that she's going through or to get her engaged further in sport. I mean, she's a lot more like she's a lot more confident in what she's doing now. And there's also an element of like she's got an elevated awareness to what she's doing, which I think comes with the fact that we've done these practices for three plus years now, entering into year four. Um, And it's become such an awesome conversation because again, like having kind of that active teaching and active learning through asking questions, through engaging, through the rest of the tiers there, like it becomes such a greater relationship. So I think that fam, fam has become something that's so, so I, I honestly think fam is bigger than we might've anticipated it now. Like, I think we have 80 mentors this year and I was like, Whoa, that is crazy that we've got 80 <laughs> matchups across the country and in varying like mentees and mentors are sprinkled across the nation. And it, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool to be a part of. Yeah. And that awareness that you just mentioned that Julia and yourself have built, that's, that's like foundational. If I'm working with college teams or I'm working one-on-one on as like mental performance coach, that's where I usually start. It's like, we've got to build awareness for what do we need, right? And so that's just really cool that you can see that growth over time. Again, the muscles that you both are building by practicing this stuff is get stronger. And when it's stronger, you know how to use it quicker. And that's a really cool story. And it's um, definitely just a big part, um, a big part of sort of the lessons, the mindset lessons that are uh, kind of interspersed in everything that we do. And I thought it might be good, too, to share, you know, if there's college athletes that are listening, um, you know, that are like, oh, this is great. I want to get involved somehow. We also have these Strong Girls U programs, which are like campus and, you know, you could become a campus ambassador, basically, for your university. And uh, that means putting on an event maybe around, um, you know, National Girls and Women in Sport Day or a celebration of girls in sport or just uh, just because um, we do like a Be My Galentine event in February, um, anniversary of Title IX. There's all kinds of, I always say there's never a time that you can't come up with a reason to celebrate girls and women in sport. And so we help athletes um, run events where kids come to their campus and or get the athletes out into the community doing a program like that original program that I started. Of course, the curriculum has adapted over time, but that original sort of after school once a week for one hour, getting athletes into the community uh, and working with young girls to on these on the strong you know sports, on the team building and then on the mental skills uh, is something that we also help people do so that. Um, you know, there's different ways that people can get involved and you don't have to be a college athlete, right? As well. It can be anyone um, can really start uh, start these programs locally and get involved if they, if they would like. I love it. And yeah, like, please, please. We love, we love being able to spread, to spread the wealth and to spread the love and to spread like this unstoppable nature that we're looking to continue to grow. Um, And I think like looking at it too, like even having these conversations that everybody's going to be able to hear some pretty cool from, for some pretty, from some pretty cool people over the next several months and over hopefully the next lots of years to come. Um, If we keep getting people to want to talk the way that we have been so far. Uh, But something that's 
come from this is like athletes and people who have retired in their careers or people who have moved on to new facets of life beyond athletics have come back to kind of the roots in Mm -hmm. that awareness in that beginnings and when we have these conversations athletes are like wow this is something so cool um i even want to like look back at what we were talking about at the beginning when you were bringing up like the positive the positive Mm -hmm. learning idea ideology and something that we do with strong girls is our three good things lesson and i want to kind of like go into the whole rationale behind the three good things like lesson in practice um and i would love you to describe that and then i'll bring in how we've kind of shared with the podcast and kind of what people can expect from that aspect of some really really cool elements to what's to come in the conversations that they'll be hearing. Yeah, that's awesome. So gratitude, three good things is one of my favorite practices. As soon as I learned about it, I implemented it into my classroom when I was still teaching, implemented it into athletics, and then most definitely implemented it into my own life. So quick sidebar, the um, I mentioned that I went to Australia um, and New Zealand and was on sabbatical with my family and was doing some more just like learning and, um, you know, going to, you know, conferences and learning from others that are integrating some of this type of work like gratitude into what they're doing. When we returned from that trip, four days later, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. And so this is not, you know, I'm 34. I was an athlete. I like to consider myself still an athlete sometimes. Um, And, you know, no family history, not, you know, I don't hit any of the markers for what, um, you know, what can sometimes cause. So it really came out of nowhere. Now, when I was diagnosed, my words on the phone, so I kind of had a feeling it was coming. It was just like one of those things, like when we were, you know, towards the end of our trip, I scheduled an appointment. I just, so full disclosure, felt a lump. So, you know, this is obviously something for, um, you know, women to, you know, keep in mind and make sure that they're doing their checks. But then I also kind of just had a feeling that it was, it wasn't, um, it wasn't benign, you know? And so I, my first words to the doctor were, well, that is really inconvenient. And I said, I said, I wasn't planning to spend the rest of my sabbatical dealing with this. Like that's just, you know, inconvenient. Now, of course there are different emotions that are felt with a diagnosis like that. But my point I suppose is leading up to getting that phone call, I kind of knew, but I also knew that I was prepared and that I, I had just spent years building curriculum on mental skills training. And I did a book called Unstoppable and I was working on this book. It was just picked up by a publisher. The Strong Girl's Guide to Being was picked up by a publisher. That's the eight to 12 year old Strong Girl's, um, you know, kind of guided journal. And it's doing gratitude. It's doing the three good things. It's doing the body language and the confidence and all of these skills that I felt like anybody could use. And to me, I went into this experience being like, I'm so lucky that I have just spent the last few years learning about this because I have the mental strength to deal with this. And wow, I can't even imagine if this were someone I said, and I said to my husband, maybe I took this off of someone that didn't have the support, the team, the uh, honestly, like the uh, experience in athletics, which definitely ties to having to go through treatments and, um, and the mental strength that was built through learning. So very similarly, I was taking these lessons and putting them on paper and in books to teach and help other people. And by doing so, it reinforced it for me. So the very, the, the biggest thing that I took with me was this gratitude and the three good things. And so we have a family, we did a family every night at dinner, we would talk about three good things from the day. It stems from this idea that our brain has a negativity bias. It is wired to see what's not going well, what's wrong, what's not good. And we don't have to work hard at identifying. It's like, I don't want to go to the 6 a.m. practice. It's cold outside. I wish it weren't raining. It's dark at four. I don't like that. You know, I'm hungry, whatever it is, right? Our brain is wired to notice 
what's not going well. And as soon as I started introducing these practices in the classroom and for our family and for myself, you just start to build, again, more awareness. So at first, you're kind of looking back on your day thinking, okay, what are my three good things from today? And then all of a sudden during the day, something will happen and you'll be like, ooh, that's going to be one of my good things from today. And now you've built that awareness to notice in the moment those good things. And the more we can do that and integrate that into our daily life is just noticing the good. There's going to be not good stuff too. There's going to be hard stuff. But even in the midst of the hard, we can find good in my belief. And so going through treatments, as an example, we had the you know family three good things, but I took I took one, I said it each day, I'm going to find one, I'm going to name, and I just started keeping track of what is one good thing from my day, even in those days that I was really sick and um, in lots of pain and um, just not feeling well, not really eating much. And, and so I remember one of my days that one of the good things was that I got outside for a little tiny walk with the dog and the dog did not poop. And I was literally like, I hate picking up dog poop. And so I literally in my head was like, ooh, this is going to be my good thing from today. So I'm not, you know, all these other things are not going great. I don't feel good. But I was immediately, I was like, that's going to be one of my good things. And I kind of came in the house almost giddy to be like, this is going to be my good thing from today. Like the dog didn't poop. And it was just like such a silly thing. But the, the my experience in that moment, I was like, realized that, I had built that muscle, right? So going back to these are muscles. These tools are muscles that we grow. I had built that muscle over time, over the last couple of years, doing that every day so that when I really needed it most, that muscle was strong. And when I really needed it most was going through this cancer treatment. And what I came to realize, so this was 2018, 2019, and just you know, really started to think about is, everyone is going to go through something at some point in their life uh, that these tools can help everyone. Not that it might be during sport. It might be as a college athlete. It might be when you're young. It might be when you're in your thirties. It might be. And at some point, everyone will go through something and has gone through something. And so it was that summer that I had just finished um, my uh, radiation, like kind of like the fourth part of my treatment plan that I was like, we need to make this a nonprofit. And I found some people that helped me to really form, like there's like the logistics of actually like forming this into a nonprofit. But that to me was the turning point of like, I had built these muscles, I had built these schools through teaching others that allowed me to take on a diagnosis like cancer and be like, I got this. Like literally I'm like, you know, when people would share, I wouldn't even say I have bad news to share it, I would just say, I have news, right? It's like a little bit of a non-judgmental, that mindfulness um, approach to it, to just say, I have news, this is what's happening, and I got this. So like, bring on your positivity, like, I don't want you to, you know, um, feel sad for me, I got this, right? And that mental strength that I had built as a muscle through trying to teach others was the turning point for me to say, hey, this needs to become a nonprofit so we can spread this throughout because sport for me became the ability, sport can become the ability to learn this stuff. It was for me. And so if we can combine this sport and this mental skills and this simple three good things practice to help other people when they're, whether they are young, whether they are in their 20s, 30s, 60s, 70s, then maybe it is something that like you have said can really spread and support people. And like you have mentioned too, this is not about, we are not, my goal is not say we need to create division one athletes. Like you and I are both division one athletes, fortunate, um, had really solid career and, and wonderful accolades and grateful for that. The goal is not to create division one athletes out of everyone, right? We've talked a lot about human comes before athlete, right? And so how, can we use athletics and sport to help us just as humans evolve? And that, to me, that that sort of cancer example and experience really propelled us forward. Um, so that is a long-winded answer to the three good things, but really how it formed, how, it, how I learned about it, how it started, how I started using it. And then when it when I really needed it and it 
it was that strong muscle that I had. That's really where it was like, okay, let's start doing this type of stuff with as many people as possible through this platform that we have, you know, that I had already built through Strong Girls. No, I I like the long-winded dancer. I think that that was a huge piece of why we've chosen Three Good Things to be kind of like one of the highlights and one of the main focal points of Strong Girls Pod is because of the fact that it has such a deep rooting in kind of everything. And I mean, from a simple from a simple side of it, you look at it and you say, no matter how good or bad your day has been, every single day you can find at least three good things that happen. Mm-hmm. Like when you are at the lowest of lows and the highest of highs, there are at least three things that you can probably shift into a positive mindset. And once you shift three things into a positive mindset or write down or take note of what those three good things are, your day has changed. Like you could have the worst day as bad as you could possibly imagine and you find three good things and it makes the day a little bit better. Yeah. It's not necessarily going to make the day the best day ever, but it's going to take a little bit of the pressure valve off. It's all about right? And it's like not to say that you're not going to also notice, you know, like I said, the brain has a negativity bias. The goal is not like toxic positivity where you're only going to see positive. We know you're going to see the like hard, the what's not going well. It's just that the way I, many of our brains at least are wired so we're going to see those we want to be able to see and feel the hard and feel the sad and feel the difficult and also be able to see those other components as well and that's the part that takes work like we don't have to work on teaching our brain to see the negative like it's it's there it's hardwired it's in there we have to do a little bit of work in order to teach our brain to start finding the good and that's what I noticed was a difference with my classes too. Like we would have a, a um, board that when they walked in, they had to put a good thing down. And at first they're like, I haven't had a good thing yet. It's, you know, 8.30 in the morning, you know, like teenagers. And I'm like, think harder. And then it became like, you know, the oatmeal was at the right temperature this morning, you know, or just simple things. It does not, it is not like we won the lottery. We won the game. I got an A. It is like really trying to find and savor those smaller things and just notice and build our awareness of them throughout the day. Absolutely. I mean, and again, going back to the idea of like, we're not expecting every single person that listens to this podcast to be a division one athlete or have been one, or we're not looking for every single person that comes through a Strong Girls United program to do that. We are looking at the people more than what the outcome of what that person is going to be. And that's kind of a piece of this three good things is we're looking at three things in a day that have a positive outcome that can shift your outlook. And again, like, I mean, I am not immune to a negativity bias. There are plenty of things that I could look at in my days that could shift them into a bad like mindset, but looking at it of like finding those three little things. Like, again, my coffee was the perfect temperature this morning. I didn't burn my tongue and I put just the right amount of creamer in it to where it was my favorite flavor. And I just had a big smile and it becomes something that's so simple and so simply ingrained. And I think going back to the beginning the very beginning of our conversation and the impact that Strongos United and all of this has had on me is that human over athlete focus that we have. I don't think that I'm looking at the five-year-olds that we're coaching and thinking, oh, they're going to be in the WNBA one day. I think, oh my gosh, we're working to make this and this girl an incredible woman. Uh, and I think that a piece of this all has made sport, while sport is such a huge facet of my life, it's made it not the main facet anymore. Like it's an added bonus to who I am as a human where like I'm a much more well-rounded individual than just as an athlete. So my identity has kind of shifted in this framework of I am Charlie, I am this, 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 and an athlete on top of that. And like it becomes an added bonus. And that's a whole piece of Strong Girls and of why we're kind of like doing this podcast in general too, is like, we're having conversations with athletes, but the conversation is about so much more than just what they've done and what their accolades are. Like there are some pretty cool people that we're going to be hearing from. All of these women are incredible for so much more than just their athletic feats. I get goosebumps almost every conversation I have. And again, like a piece of why we're so excited 
to have this project is because of the fact that it's the human over the athlete. It's the athlete because of the human, yeah. not necessarily the other. I love that. You gave me goosebumps. That's great. <laughs> I'm glad that I could do it back because we're going to be able to share this. And I hope that it gives the goosebumps that I get because of the fact that I like, I swear it just, everything is so inspiring to me. And again, becomes so much more in depth in life than just sports. Sport is an added bonus and it's an additive that is so important to our foundation, but our foundation focuses on the human. The sport is what helps the human, yeah, not necessarily. And, the and, you know, sport becomes the avenue. It's like the playground to, to work on some of this stuff that you're going to need, even whether sport's around or not, right? And when you think about when, when you talk to athletes or even kids, it's like, what do you play? That's the question. What do you play? Well, okay, can we help remind all, like right up to the Olympic athletes and the college athletes and the high school, right? It starts from a base of playing, right? And so that play is is a fundamental to sport and and it has the ability to infuse some of these other things. It can become the playground for working on some of this other stuff that, uh, you know, helps whether it's in the classroom or in jobs or, you know, in relationships or, you know, in life, life in general. And again, like, I, I just think that there's something so real and raw and inspiring about what we've got to share and what the athletes and the women who are coming on are sharing. Um, so I really can't wait for everybody I can't to wait be listening to. Listen to. <laughs> I mean, really, like everybody get ready because it's going to be, this is going to hit the world by storm, hopefully the way that we want it to. And it's, there's just an incredible opportunity here and like to inspire the way that some people who haven't necessarily gotten the chance to inspire are going to. That's right. Um, and Charlie, there's a way to, for any age for people to submit their questions, right? And so that we, the, the conversations that you have, you know, have some of those, whether it's through our social media, the Strong Girls Pod, or whether it's through the actual podcast interviews, there's a place, you know, on our site, right? That the, we want to hear the voices from all ages and what questions they have. Um, is that right? It is. Yeah. I, you, just set me up perfectly of it's a really fun thing that we're doing with strong girls pod now is this conversation isn't just between me and between the athlete on screen with me and the woman on screen with me it is a conversation that's had with people who want to be heard or who want their questions to be asked who want to feel like they're a part of this conversation if you had the chance to ask an all-american to ask an olympian to ask these top tier athletes and top tier women any question. It could be something as simple as what's your pregame meal? And it could be something as complex of like, what do your bad days look like? Or how do you overcome something more serious? Or what's, what does it look like battling through injury? Like there are some pretty serious questions. There are some pretty fun questions that we get to ask. And it's not just coming from me and I don't want it to just come from me. And we don't want it to just come from me and from us. We want everybody listening to if you have a question to be asked, go and take the time and put it on our survey. It's on our website. It's in our Instagram bio of ask these questions because we want them to be heard and there's no limit to how many questions you want to ask, but it becomes, it becomes a conversation that's had with everyone, not just with two people. All right, Lonnie, we do have, we are kicking off a tradition here too. You know it because this is a goofy little tradition that we decided to, that we thought would be fun to start with all the athletes. Pieces of Strong Girls, like we were talking about with three good things, we have our athletes share their three good things from their sport that they play or the three good things of being an athlete. But then we look back to the pillars of Strong Girls, of strong bodies, kind hearts, unstoppable minds. And like you said, Lonnie, good things come in threes and good answers come in sets of three cute, fun questions. And we want to know to start, and I guess we'll both answer this because yeah. people should probably know how I do it as well. And now that I'm on this journey with everybody, but to start, how do you keep your body strong, Lonnie? Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I'd love to say, you know, I work out five days a week and, you know, <laughs> go to the gym. 
I don't. Um, so <laughs> I, um, I volunteer coach. I've been, you know, that teaching and coaching, one of the ways is honestly just getting engaged in play with my own kids. So I volunteer to coach kind of all the teams that they're on. I'm usually like, if you want some help, I'm here. So I like to stay active and play with them in that way. And then I also have um, started playing the sport of pickleball. And oh, it, yeah. is, um, it is legit really fun, particularly for competitive, for you know, former athletes slash um, still want to be athlete. So pickleball has become my way of keeping my body strong in terms of, and it's kind of almost more like active, you know, I just try to keep active. I'm active through coaching. I'm active through, um, you know, teaching and, and doing strong girl stuff and then staying active through pickleball. I love it. I'm going to make so I... many people laugh. My kids are like, it's for old people. I'm like, no, it is not. You haven't tried it yet. <laughs> no, I, I'm actually trying to get more into pickleball. Um, so I think going into me for keeping my body strong, um, I guess I didn't preface this with everybody of, I did have a five-year career at Stanford. I graduated in June of 2023 and I'm now playing professional beach volleyball. So there's a huge element to my life that is keeping my body strong at all times. Um, but I'm going to say like for my favorite pieces of keeping my body strong, because while playing sport, like your body has to be strong, your body also gets beat up. And my personal favorite way to keep my body strong is like getting in the gym and lifting weights. And it's so funny because like now there's a movement of like strong bodies are beautiful, but there was a huge movement for a really long time that like women shouldn't be lifting heavy weights or muscular women aren't what we want to see in society. And I have never been of that mindset. I've been like, I want to outlift everybody in here. Like, let's stack it on. Let's push me to my boundaries. There's a piece of like lifting weights that's like been very like soothing and calming for me. And I think of because of the fact that there's no pressure on it for me. Like the yeah. whole thing is like, I'm using it as a catalyst to take me further in sport, but it like, it like calms me down. Oh, and it keeps my body strong and also really helps me reset my mind. And so I think that that's my favorite way to keep my body strong is it's like, it's so funny. It's like the cliche of like lifting weights, keep your body strong. Like, I know. Yes, it keeps my body strong, but it's, it's honestly like, it's become something that's like therapeutic to me almost is that's like awesome. getting into the gym and going and having the routine. Um, so that's how I keep my body strong. <laughs> I love it. And now next up on our list is how do you keep your heart kind? Oh, you know, I think we talked about like gratitude practice um, is definitely um, a big one for me still. Um, I try to use I get to instead of I have to. So I get to, you know, go, you know, pick up the girls at the end of the day from school. I get to get on this podcast. I get to do this meeting because I'm doing things that I love. So um, gratitude practices, I would say, um, are probably um, the biggest way. And then I also love, you know, family and people and doing things with um, that social connection piece that, that's part of Strong Girls, you know, and being part of teams. So that volunteerism, um, part of this, you know, kind of what I do and just being around people and part of teams also really helps. How about you? I keep my heart kind. I actually, I, th I was coming up with this. I think I have a bunch of answers because I feel like this is probably the most important one for me um, is finding ways to keep my heart kind and giving back to my communities around me has been like a huge aspect and element of that. Um, but it, I'm going to actually shift my answer and say that how I keep my heart kind is by saying yes. And I've discovered that like kind of saying yes to little things with friends or with family or community has brought me a sense of like fulfillment and like warmth because of the fact that you don't necessarily know who, how many times the person who's asked you if you want to go do something with them or if you can help them with something. You don't know how many times they've asked and you don't know how many times they've been told no. I've been told no so many times in my entire life and I'm okay with that. Like, a no is a no. It doesn't really mean that much at the end of the day, but they can start to wear. And when you say yes, or when you get a yes, like it, 
makes like for me, if I ask a question or if I need help and I get a yes back or somebody says like, yeah, I'll drop what I'm doing and come and hang out with you or yeah, let's, let's go for a walk or let's go get some ice cream. Like I'm tired, but heck yeah, I'll go do that with you. It is awesome. Um, and it makes you just, it like elevates a mood. And so what I know that that comes from my internal side is when people say yes to me, it brings me so much joy. So I try to say yes to others as much as I can, whether that be help, whether that be hanging out, whether that be like really anything. I love that because Charlie, the other thing about that is, you know, the research around kindness and, and actually, you know, one of the single best ways to boost your own happiness is to do things for others, right? So that's really what you, both the volunteering that we both have talked about that helps us feel good and, and doing stuff for the community. Um, and then the saying yes, that, that like, it's that feeling you get, and this is what I want to teach my girls. And, and then when I think of like all of the strong girls as well, right, is that those kind moments and words and actions actually really it's like a boomerang it comes back and feels so good it's like that good feeling when you're giving someone a gift you know and it's like you know you're making them happen you can't wait for them to open it right and so that you touched on you know one of the themes that are certainly integrated into our programs too is just the just kindness in general being such a boost for mood and um, you know happiness and all of that thing. So I love your answer. Thanks. Yeah, it's pretty special and it's it's cool. It's 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 a dual sided warmth. It's a dual sided yeah. like keeping your heart kind of like just everybody everybody wins in that moment. So it makes me happy and that's all that I can ask for at the end of the day. Now, last up on our lovely little list of three things is how do you keep your mind unstoppable? So, you know, I think this is one that really blends the other two as well. Like they're not all in silos, right? Like they all kind of work together, but I would say I really love to learn. Um, so reading new books, learning new things, trying new things, just trying to improve whether it's, at my pickleball game or whether it's public speaking or whether it's parenting, um, you know, just, I really do like to improve and, and work at myself and whatever it is that I'm doing. Right. And so I think that desire to learn and um, improve is just part of what kind of builds into that unstoppable mind because there's a lot out there. There's a lot to learn from other people. And I just love, you know, for me, I like to take, I might read a whole book and then grab a couple things from it that I then can implement into whether it's into a curriculum or into my life. And so I would say that's how I keep my mind um, unstoppable alongside all those practices that we already talked about, right? Like the being active um, and physical activity we know helps our mind. Um, the kindness, the volunteering, the being part of teams, the gratitude practices, that's all, it's all kind of interconnected, but that's what I would, I, my first instinct is just like that love of learning that really helps. Um, I think me, how about you? I love it. I also, I definitely, I mean, I was always a pretty nerdy kid growing up. Like I had my nose in a book whenever I wasn't playing volleyball. So I've always had this total like love for reading and for learning. I've gotten back in now being out of college. I've kind of gotten really back into reading again, which makes me very happy because I definitely there was an element in education that kind of disrupted my reading patterns just because of the fact that I was so busy doing readings for classes that I didn't actually get to read for joy that much. And so now I've started reading for joy again, which makes me quite happy. And I think also on top of it, being a full, I like to say that I'm a full-blown adult now, that I actually like live on my own. I'm not doing school. I'm working all of it. I have started cooking. Every night I like to experiment with recipes. And so I think I've been keeping my mind unstoppable by like pushing my boundaries of cooking um, and testing new recipes. And it's been really fun and I've made some pretty awesome food. So I've been keeping my mind unstoppable from cooking. I love it. And there's like a common theme there with both of us in terms of, and I wonder if this will be the case with your other athletes of 
that growth happens when we stretch ourselves, right? And that's part of what we're trying to teach with strong girls too, is that it is uncomfortable, right? When we are doing things that are, we are, we don't, the uncertainty or the things that we don't know um, yet, right? But then being able to kind of stretch ourselves is where they're actually, we actually get quite a bit of confidence from that. And I think something common that we both just said is there's there's that learning, there's that pushing, that stretching ourselves. And, and what's interesting about it, which I didn't really think of until this moment, but that unstoppable feeling, that like confidence actually comes from there, right? It comes from some of that growth of of just practicing pushing ourselves and then knowing when when it fails that you have the skills to like deal with it, right? Um, and not beat yourself up over it and and then just try again, right? So that's cool. And I'm super excited to see and hear um, from, you know, the, some of these common themes that we might be able to pull out from all of the interviews that you're doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, I think everybody's going to be just love. I, I love that piece. I love the I love the simplicity of the questions. And I love the varying complexity of the answers. Mm -hmm. I think that it it's a very it's a very cool and interesting moment to hear where an athlete's brain goes on the instant. And I'm excited for everybody to hear. It. And I feel like like this welcome episode has become something that's so much more than just a welcome that just really gets to share kind of like our hearts and where we're coming from with this. And we hope to inspire just as much as we hope that the others inspire. And um, I'm so excited. Yeah. Thank you for having me first on and love the chance to share the story of where we're at. And I love how you put it, you know, for us to be able to share our hearts and my you know, when I came up with sort of what I think about my purpose, I, in, in like a, you know, couple of words, it's been to impact many one person at a time. And I think we can take that with the Strong Girls pod too. You know, there's the opportunity for many, but, you know, going one at a time um, to impact and inspire is just really fulfilling for us as well as like we've talked about as well as we hope to impact the people listening or the young girls in our programs or the young women in our programs. Um, yeah, just grateful for time and for the people listening and, um, and yeah, looking forward to that impacting many one person at a time. I love it. Well, I'm so grateful that you came on and were able to share today and help me welcome everybody to our little project that we've got here. Um, so from the bottom of my heart, thank you, Lonnie. And for everybody listening, welcome on this journey. Thank you so much for listening. And I can't wait to have these conversations for you all to share and continue to spread, spread good and inspire many from the first listen. So thank you, everybody, and welcome. This podcast is sponsored by Strong Girls United, a nonprofit with a mission to empower girls to be strong, confident, and resilient through sports mentorship and mental health programming. Visit sgunitedfoundation.org to learn more on how you can get involved today.